This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. The Jason Kavnis Experience is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Kevin's HR, we deliver HR to companies with four and under fewer people. Kevin's HR, focus on your business. We've got your HR. Our guest today is Laura Reich. Laura, are you ready to be great today? Yep. Laura Reich is a pit interest powerhouse who helps high-performing business owners, content creators, and influencers grow profitability the right way with sustainable systems. She has helped clients and students bring in over 50K monthly revenue, her clients have become industry leaders with six-figure businesses and are growing sustainably by ranking on the first page of Google and getting and getting targeted email leads daily. With over 3.2 million viewers on pit interest alone, Laura has been featured as a guest on podcasts like Ultimate Marketer, Twin Cities Collective, and Small Business Revival. She lives in Minnesota with her family, and she can be found online at laurareich.com. Laura, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Laura, quickly, you know, marketers and SEO people are talking about being the first page of Google. Why does that even matter, right? Like, because I had first I have to seem to so competitive, right? The first page is only so big. Like, like for HR, there's like 1,700 HR companies, you know, be on the first page of Google. It seems like almost like a dream sometimes, right? Is it yep. really that important? And is it really that hard to get on the first page? So yes and no. So I think it really is that important because if someone's going to go to Google and search for a term of a product, a service, or something that you can offer to help them with in terms of them learning or whatever it is, they're not going to go five, six pages into Google. They're going to go the first page, maybe the second page and look to see what answers they can find after that first search. So it is to me important. Um, It's not the end all be all though. There are other ways to bring in the traffic, but it's a benefit that you get from using a platform like Pinterest. And it may seem like a pipe dream if you're just going for certain avenues um, like SEO only or things like that. But the nice thing is, is Pinterest has more domain authority than your website will, right? And so you can rank for content on the first page of Google, but you can also use Pinterest for their keywords and their searchability and their domain authority to show up on those pages as well. So you kind of get that um, secondary effect by using a platform like that. Oh, that's something I was going to ask you too. So I'll send you a link to where it said, um, pin is more of a search engine. And so it's me, I'm like, what? Like, I've never heard that before. Like, so can you explain that in more detail? Absolutely. Yeah. So the biggest myth that I try to debunk for people is that Pinterest is a social media platform and it's actually not social media. They go to great lengths in terms of posting it everywhere online to say that they're more of a search 
feed platform, meaning people go to Pinterest to search out answers, to search out purchases, um, to find solutions for what they're currently looking for, just like you would on Google, right? Or a forum or different things like that. And so they want people to start thinking about it in terms of a search-based platform so that they then start thinking about, okay, what words are people using to find this information? What phrases are people using when they go to Google or they go other places to solve the problem or find the product that they're looking to obtain? So why Pinterest? Like nowadays, most people, I'm an Instagram expert, you know, or you, maybe even Snapchat or another hot things, TikTok. Why Pinterest? Like that seems like some kind of random, you know, this day and age. Yeah. So I've been doing Pinterest for almost, I believe it's 13 years. It was right before my first was born. Um, before that, I was a VA and I was trying to do all the things for all the people and stay at home with my kids as a stay-at-home mom, um, I got really burnt out really quickly. And so I had gone to school back then for graphic design. So I started to look for opportunities into how to be able to use my love for graphic design to help businesses and help entrepreneurs like me who were kind of in that spot where they were burnt out and they didn't know exactly where to go to still bring in the sustainable income that they needed. So I started playing around on Pinterest for my own personal gain, right? And so at this point, it was still to bring in VA clients. But I was doing it to be able to find those clients without me having to go search out for for them, but have them come to me. Um, And it exploded. It was awesome. I started learning as much as I could. I studied under... Um, some of the top mentors in the industry and bringing in their knowledge, which was absolutely amazing to do. And just to be able to see the love that I have for graphic design and other entrepreneurs come to light and be able to see how much this one platform was able to shift their business or help them um, was crazy. And so I really... Honestly, after that, I call myself the rogue Pinterest powerhouse because I went rogue and I dropped everything from being a VA and I just focused on Pinterest. And it took me a while to get there, but I would never give it up for a million years because I absolutely think that that platform has so much power and potential for people they don't even realize. Now, do you only do Pinterest or you do like other social media platforms? So it's just like only Pinterest. I only do Pinterest. I specialize in Pinterest. I eat, breathe, sleep, and love Pinterest. Um, it's There's so many different opportunities that you can use um, with that platform where I, I stuck with it. So if someone comes to you and say, I want, to, I want to use Instagram, do you refer them to someone else? Or you, do, or you try to convince them that Pinterest is better for them? So actually, now people don't come to me for other platforms. They know me as a Pinterest person. (laughs) Yeah. But I do have a great team of referrals um, who run my stuff for my individual business because I am a believer that you outsource to those that know it better than you can, right? Like, I'm not going to waste my precious time trying to focus on something that I know I could probably outsource to somebody else who that's their specialty. Um, And so I do have referral partners that 
I will refer out to um, that help me on a daily basis with my own stuff as well and are just absolutely amazing. Can any business use make take advantage of Pinterest or is it only for certain businesses? Because most people think of Pinterest that you know, like maybe arts and crafts or you know, stuff like that, you know. Can any business take advantage of it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I typically provide my unbiased opinion to people by saying go to Pinterest and type in your niche or keywords that you want to be found for or known for and things like that and see what's pulling up on the feed when you do that. And if you see competitors or other people in the same space as you, then that definitely is your indicator that they're on the platform and they're doing well, right? They may not be doing million dollars or they may not be doing, you know, the the super numbers that you're looking to eventually hit or whatever, but they're on there and they're doing the work on there because it's proven to them that it's beneficial. So that's my way to say without me saying as a Pinterest person, of course you should be on the platform, but that's my way to say go in, look at it, right? Cuz Pinterest isn't going to lie to you by saying, oh, all of this is on there. They're going to show you what's relevant. So Laura, I believe you're a big fan of Facebook groups and I'm assuming you're you're a fan of LinkedIn groups also. Yeah. So I know a lot of people's obsession, like the groups are like, there's a lot of spam in there. A lot of people like just selling stuff. How can people take advantage of both Facebook group, Facebook and LinkedIn groups to promote their business? So I think there's a way to be able to have conversations with individuals that aren't spammy. Um, I don't ever see someone post like those threads, like drop your link below or tell me your product or follow for follow thread. I don't see those actually providing you a check that you can turn around and cash into the bank. Right. And so I think if you go in with the notion of, um, something I learned from someone I outsource, Amy Hartman, engage like a human and actually have those conversations where you're helping people and you're providing value, then I think in turn, they're going to feel that level of respect and they're going to know that you're not trying to just spam them and they're going to start to follow you and what you offer and what you do. So Laura, if you're in a group, suppose you're on a Facebook group, how often is she being there engaging? Like, I mean... A lot of people on a lot of groups, a lot of social media, a lot of stuff going on. Like you don't have the time to go there like every day and accommodate every post. What's a good like a metric to use to go on there and make it seem like you're engaging? So I'm going to refer to something else I learned from Molly Mahoney, actually. Um, She teaches daily star tasks. And so you actually do it daily, but you do it intentionally, right? And so you set your intentions of what groups are you going to be involved in that day? What posts are you going to look for and engage in? Um, And you spend, you can spend as little as 10 to 15 minutes a day doing that, but you set the intention before you go into that so that you know, okay, I have 15 minutes. If you need to set that timer, set that timer. Um, but then have a list of tasks that you want to go through, whether it's responding to certain comments and you use the search bar to look for certain posts that you know you can provide value in, or whether it's you posting something like a tidbit of the day or anything like that. Um, I think that would be the most beneficial way. But I definitely think creating some sort of list that can be repetitive 
and doing it every day for little chunks of time is really going to be where you're going to see success. And of course, for most people, mess up probably like I do a lot. You go on Facebook and chance to do, you go on LinkedIn, Facebook, really can be intent of doing something. And three hours later, you're watching monkey videos or cat videos, right? Exactly. And that's why she provides us that daily star task because then you can um, keep yourself focused. Like she's actually been a coach that I've been mentoring under for a few years and she gives you this like um, laminated sheet of paper that talks about the tasks that you should get done. So you can fill it out every day and you don't need that sheet, but something in front of you to keep you on track, whether you set a timer on your phone Um, there's another tool that I use called the Facebook eradicator. And so when I go to Facebook, I know that I want to focus intentionally on certain things. It actually takes my entire feed away so that I don't get distracted. But what my friends and family and other people I'm connected with are posting, but I can go intentionally to those lists and then be able to create that kind of conversation I want to start. Can you do ads on Pinterest? Are there paid ads on there? Absolutely. Yep. And does it work the same as the other social media ads? Yeah, I mean, somewhat. So um, there's differences in there. So you can do traffic campaigns and conversion campaigns and things like that. But every platform is going to be slightly different than the other, right? So There are different requirements that you have to hit first when you're starting a Pinterest campaign before you can go to a specific conversion campaign. Whereas Facebook, you can definitely take your hand and try a conversion campaign to a complete cold audience. Um, There's different targeting, right? So on Facebook and Instagram, you're going to have like um, topics and hobbies and interests and things like that. And you have that on Pinterest as well. But because Pinterest is a search feed, you're going to focus more on keywords um, and things like that to figure out where your audience is. Yes. So next, change subject a little bit. Talk about your CrossFit. (laughs) How long have you been doing doing CrossFit? So I admittedly am not currently doing CrossFit. I do love CrossFit. I haven't done it in a little while. Unfortunately, the gym that was local here to me closed a little while back, but it's, it's invigorating. It's amazing. It was super fun as just a female to be able to go in there and feel empowered by what they were having you do um, and see the amazing results that you were able to get from it in such a short time too. So um, yeah, I, I haven't done it in a while right now. I am more focusing on um, stuff at home because of everything that's been going on. So I just bought a super slick new elliptical that I absolutely no, love in my house. Same, <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, but I do love it. You know, I, I'm still at home with my kids 24 seven. So it's something to stay active for sure. Yeah. And then you're, 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 you're dairy free right now. I am not. So that actually, yeah. So that actually came from my youngest. Um, when he was born, he had every allergy imaginable under the sun and it was crazy. Um, when we were nursing, I could only eat 14 different types of foods and that was it. And dairy was not one of them. I could not have it. Um, There were certain weird things like broccoli I could not have because he would throw up and get sick from it. And so 
that was crazy. It lasted for about a year and a half. Um, I have been out of it for about a year and it's been amazing. <laughs> so next on your LinkedIn profile, you have a statement that says there's no such thing as competition, only mentors, friends, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk yeah. about that? Yeah. So I don't believe in competition. Um, I know that competitors is a word out there that a lot of people use, but I, as much as I call myself an expert, I think there's always room to learn more, right? There's always room to grow. Um, so I think that people who consider competition as something they should stay away from or try to beat out may overlook the fact that there's something they could be learning from that and benefiting from that. And so I really try to focus on instead of looking at that person as my competitor, looking at that person as, is there something I can learn from them that would help me do better in what I'm offering? Um, or is there a way that we can collaborate together and we can work together? Um, I found some of the most amazing mentors have been able to excel me in terms of what I offer in my agency. Um, take for example, ads, right? I trained under one of the most amazing individuals um, who taught us everything she knew about Pinterest ads. And then after that was able to use that to have that as a service, right? Cause I had that confidence and that know-how and that knowledge to be able to take that and offer that to my clients that I was working with. And so I think that's really the way that everybody should look at things, right? Because there literally is enough air in the world for everybody to breathe. So why can't we look at business the same way? And like what people say, you know, the pie always gets bigger. The, what's it called? The other one, uh, the rising tide floats all boats or something like that, you know? Yeah, There's exactly. There's success for so everyone. I think there are times where we need to be not necessarily like concerned, but we need to be um, more aware of how that collaboration is happening or what we're doing to learn from that individual or how we are then evolving ourselves and our businesses. But as long as we are aware that we're not in competition, we're all here together for a reason. Um, we're all trying to grow our own way. I think that there can be amazing benefits of having those doors opened instead of having that wall kind of built up around it. So Laura, you talked about this a little bit, but can you go into more detail about exactly what your company does for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are three distinct facets of the company. Um, one of them is I have a program where it's a course and a coaching program combined and merged together. Um, teaches everything they would need to know about Pinterest and how to use it organically for their business. Whether you have services, products, um, you're an entrepreneur, a blogger. Um, so that really encompasses them going through a self-paced learning and then having monthly coaching calls where they can still get answers to questions and updates to any changes the platform might make. Um, the second thing that I offer is actual management packages. So I do organic and ads management for individuals. Um, and that encompasses everything so that the people that may already know about Pinterest or may not, 
um, but don't have time in their day and really just want somebody to handle it, peace of mind, knowing that they're doing it the right way for them. Um, that's there and offered for them. And then I have a VIP day, which is my rockstar VIP day. And I call it that because we go through everything in terms of funnels, in terms of Pinterest ads, um, organic Pinterest and all those things to really make sure that someone is set up to bring in that residual income or those leads on a consistent automated basis. Um, and it's individualized, right? So I can either train that one individual so they know everything and then can go off and do it themselves. Or there can be an individual that's like, okay, it's me and two VAs or it's five of us in an agency, we want a VIP day. So you can teach us and give us a strategy specific to what our goals are. Um, so that's kind of different for those that don't want to learn in a course, but they still want to be able to have the control themselves. Laura, can you talk about your own entrepreneur journey? Like why did you, why did you want to become an entrepreneur? You know, and some, some of your thought process behind that and how's the journey been so far? Yeah. Um, the journey is always up and down. Um, I started the journey many, many years ago. Um, and I actually kind of got forced into it. So I used to do a super snazzy, amazing job collections. Um, everybody loves the collectors, right? And I, I didn't like it, but at that time I was still going to school. And so it was paying bills. And I walked into the office one day and they fired the whole floor and the whole department. And so I went home and I was on unemployment for a couple months. I don't remember how long, but I, during that time said, well, I'm going to figure out how to be able to do something at home because I want to be able to still provide. Right. And so I found an internship. Um, my unemployment lasted the same amount of time as this unpaid internship that I had taken back then. And then after that, she hired me on to be able to continually work for her virtually. Um, and I realized at that point, I could be a VA, right? I could work virtually for people and help them with things that I already knew that I was learning in school or had already learned um, and kind of jump-started there. Then the journey took the twist to Pinterest. Um, there were many, many turns between when I started as a virtual assistant to now when I have my own Pinterest agency. Um, many of them were definitely wrong turns and I learned very quickly from them that they weren't the right fit for me. There were different struggles on how to maintain an agency or have individuals working with me without having to constantly provide my time to train in somebody new. Um, there were just, there were a ton of different things that I learned, but those, all those experiences, I feel like have helped get me to this point where I feel more confident and strong in what I am doing for my clients to know that there is this huge foundation that I've built over the years and resilience that I've built over the years to be able to continually help people without any worry about where it's going to go tomorrow. Yeah. I think a lot of people who like starting out a business that don't realize how resilient you have to be, but you're going to get knocked down over and over again. Yep. Yep. And the thing is, is it's a lot of mindset, right? And so if you are just starting out, I definitely suggest looking into um, mindset coaching or mindset training, or, or if you're an audible or reader, things like that, just kind of surround yourself with that because it is going to be 
um, more mindset. How do you overcome things and still maintain that resilience? How do you perceive things that are said to you? Um, what are your thoughts about where that cap is that you can hit when you're an entrepreneur? You know, the amount of revenue that you want to bring in, things like that. So, um, there's someone that I follow Her name is Kelly and she does a mindset thing every Monday and just kind of helps you. If you have heard it in the past, remember, if you haven't heard it, think a little bit deeper about certain roadblocks that we've hit as entrepreneurs and, and how to overcome them on our own, just by thinking through different situations. Laura. What should a social media manager be doing for you? Like, suppose that there's a small company have 30 people, they bring on a social media manager. What should a social media media manager be doing or not doing? What should they be doing? Um, I think a social media manager definitely should. Well, let me say it this way. We'll give two different sides, right? If you are a social media manager, my suggestion to you is to set your boundaries. Because social media is 24-7. You as an entrepreneur cannot be 24-7. So make sure that you are very clear when you are working with a client. What are your hours that you would be available for questions or calls? Um, What timeline will you be turning things around in or answering emails? Things like that. So that they have a very clear distinction of what that picture is going to look like when they work with you. Um, And then for agencies or individuals looking to hire a social media manager, I think the biggest thing that I look for is um, how can they turn around and talk like you? So when you're having conversations with them, um, do you feel that they are picking up your personality? Do you feel like you guys are kind of on the same level in terms of energy? Um, because if if it feels like you're struggling to get questions answered or answer questions for them or things like that, it may be hard to continue that work together if they have to write for you or create designs that are for your brand and things like that. So I think that having a few conversations and making sure that that feel and that synergistic kind of conversation happens um, is definitely something I would suggest for those people. Laura, so you're, you're here, you know, the best time to post on Facebook is this day, this time, best time to post here, post there this day and time. Does that really matter? Like, I mean, like who has time to like, you know, track that and, Oh, I, I took this great picture. I had great content, but I can't post until two hours from now. Right. Like, does that really matter? <laughs> So in my point of view, it matters for those you are engaging with. So it doesn't matter to the outside world. So if you see a graphic that says the best time to post on Facebook is one o'clock, that is very generalized. And this is just my thoughts and feel on it. Um, because you're not appealing to everybody that was taken in that survey, right? Or when they were doing um, that data poll. I would definitely take time to look at the analytics for your own social media and your own pages. I know that um, Christy is a friend of mine and really focuses on content strategy. And one of the biggest pieces we talk about together all the time 
is how did these perform? You know, what did we say? When did we post? How did we post? Those types of things. And then once you do that analysis of it, you can really come up with, okay, well, I did this post at this time and this post at this time. They're both an image post. They both asked a question. One did better than the other. And if you do that a few times, then be able to use that data to say, well, maybe my audience personally is better at engaging at this time. I don't think it needs to be a strict guideline. I think you really need to pay attention to your analytics, your insights, and those types of data pulls that you can do from the back end of your own content. So I'm going to show my ignorance on the Pinterest platform right now. I know a Pinterest, you, you do pictures. Can you also like, like write like blogs and like written content or is this is all pictures? So um, it is a visual platform. You do have space where you have to create a um, description. You have to create a title and then it links to content. And so you want to make sure that you are very clear those images don't have to be like a photographic image, right? They can be a text-based image, but you want them to be very clear and concise what the call to action is to get them to take that action. Um, same with the descriptions that you're writing. You want to make sure that you have the right keywords and phrases that's going to attract the right crowd that's searching for that. And that will be able to take the action you're hoping them to take. Laura, so you believe in giving back to the community. Can you talk about some of the causes that you that you believe in? Yeah. So uh, one of the big ones that I have worked with in the past is um, I, I was a single mom for a little bit on my own. And so I really liked to be able to help other single moms that are um, just starting out or entrepreneurs or VAs or whatever, kind of give them that confidence and be able to help support them. Maybe they have some knowledge of something that I just don't like doing, or I don't have the knowledge of how to run it. And so um, about 80% of my company a few years back, and I think we're still around 70 to 80% um, was female entrepreneurs that were single parents. Um, most of the people in the in the agency now as well, if we're not around that percentage, because I don't know off the top of my head, um, are parents of some sort, which is something I'm still really passionate about, is controlling your own freedom and your own future as a parent and an individual. So um, I definitely love to help support that. Um, another thing that's not really a charity, but I think it goes along the same lines as, as something that I like is um, to help support is robotics. My son is very, very into robotics as a 12 year old. He lives, eats, breathes, sleeps, everything about technology and robots and building and all that. And so it's been really fun to dedicate my time and some of um, my business resources and then be able to provide monetary support to different avenues of um, the robotics clubs that we have around the local area as well. So that's kind of another way that we try to give back to families that want their kids to be involved in something like that. Yeah, I would definitely say robotics is definitely a promising career, right? 
Yeah, for sure. He absolutely loves it. They, he now gets to move into, um, a more advanced type of robotics. And so he's super excited because they're going to be welding and building from scratch and, um, programming and like all this stuff that he just adores. Um, he actually just recently got, well, my husband bought a 3d printer and he just learned with my husband how to be able to do that. And let me tell you the little mini figure figurine toys that they've created for the other kids and like things like that. It's been really cool to be able to watch how he just kind of lights up with that when he's at home working with dad. You've been a good point. Like for me, I just thought about it when you said like welding and stuff. I think most people like myself, they think robotics takes in about AI, the programming, the code. But you actually have to build a robot itself, right? I don't, a lot of people don't think that. You just don't like buy this robot with no code on it, you know, and put a code in yeah. there, AI. You have to build it. I, don't, I, like, I knew that. I just never thought about it until you just said it right yeah. then. Yeah, they do. So the program that he's actually in, so it, it, they have different stages, right? So they have programs for even little kids that are in kindergarten and first grade. And they use Legos. And then they have different programs with the Legos that make the Legos go and Um, each year they come up with a new challenge. And so we belong to First Lego League. Um, They're a national brand. I think they might be international. I'm not sure. Um, But they help provide these challenges for different robotics teams around the world, around the country. And one of the fun things is the challenge changes every year. So this year, it's going to be different than the challenge from last year. So they have to start to build that robot within certain dimensions to be able to achieve certain things within the challenge and then program it to do it consistently so that they can get the points that they're looking to get. So it's a lot more involved than just the AI and the computer programming. It's a lot of hands-on and and building and critical thinking as well in terms of solving those challenges. And how old is he? He's 12. Yeah. I was, no, yeah, I can't remember. I, yeah. I was never, yeah, at 12 years old, I was probably couldn't even decide what clothes to put on each day. Yep, he was doing that. This is going to be his fourth or fifth year doing it now. So he's, he's been doing it for a while. And uh, I mean, literally that's all he talks about is when the season starts again. That's great. So being an entrepreneur is never easy, right? But as a female entrepreneur, is that, do you find that an advantage, a disadvantage? You find being a female entrepreneur harder? Because some people say entrepreneurship is the same for everyone. Some people say no, if you're a female or, you know, a minority, it's harder for you because of different, you know, stuff going on. What has it been your experience? In my experience, um, I feel like it hasn't depended on who I am or what my nationality is or what my sex is or anything like that. Um, I've been grateful to be able to have the opportunities that I've had. And I definitely focus on celebrating those wins, whether they're small or big. Um, it doesn't matter. I think that there are challenges out there that other people do face, but I feel that as individuals and entrepreneurs, if we see those challenges and there's a way that we can help other individuals overcome those challenges, then it's our duty to be able to do that. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of why everybody has their own specialty. And so 
we can be able to, like I said, with no competition, help each other and, and learn from each other and grow from each other. Because someone, my biggest saying that I love saying is you don't know what you don't know. And, and you can't overcome things without the help and support of other people. So there have been challenges for me, but I'm sure there have not been those challenges have not been as great or significant that maybe somebody else is going through. And so I take that and I'm grateful for that. But I also turn around and look at as a female entrepreneur, how can I contribute and how can I be able to help? So I suppose to someone out there and they, they're on the fence about becoming an entrepreneur. Like they have a great idea. They have like market discovery. They want to be a business owner on the fence, what would you tell them to tell them like to convince them to you know, do this and, and start your business? Progress is better than perfection. Um, I used to be a perfectionist and when I would wait because I didn't think it would be perfect enough, I would lose out on an opportunity and my perfect is never going to be somebody else's perfect. So I may look at something and think that it's, pristine and it's perfect and it's amazing. And somebody else may come in and look at it and find something that maybe I overlooked um, or it's just not their fit. Right. So do it and then come back and see how you can build upon it, improve it, advance it, things like that, because it's never going to happen if you don't actually try. Laura, talk a little bit about entrepreneurs having a social media presence, both for the company and also for themselves. Yeah, I think it's really important um, on many different levels to have a social media presence. I don't think that um, you have to just focus on one platform. Um, we talked about her earlier, Christy. She is a, an amazing person in terms of talking about omnipresence, right? And so she's really been instrumental in my um, entrepreneurship and my agency to be able to create that bridge and close that gap from overwhelm to omnipresence. The crazy difference that we've seen just in terms of people coming to me saying that they heard about me somewhere or they found me somewhere that I didn't even think people would come from, but she helped me be able to get to that spot has been crazy cool to see the types of connections that you can create and build upon. So I definitely think that social media is, is there for us to be able to start those conversations and human connections in terms of not only growing our agencies or our entrepreneurship, but also, like I said, learning from people and having those real connections to, to have that support system as an entrepreneur. Laura, I understand you have a, a gift for our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. So we have this amazing thing. It's called the Pintastic Toolkit. So for anybody who is looking to get started, hit the ground running with Pinterest, but not really sure what's going to work, um, how to track what's working or anything like that, it's a complete system that makes it easy to be able to get noticed have the repins come in and blow up your website traffic and sales in minutes. Um, it's $37. It 
comes with a ton of different things. So we have a hashtag swipe file in there that gives you over 700 different niche specific keywords um, and hashtags you can use on the platform. I have customizable templates in there. So we have different video templates and image templates and text templates that you can use on the platform. Um, I have a branding guide to make sure that you're sticking within those brand colors and guides as you're creating these visual appeals for the platform. And then a ton of bunch of bonuses. We have a custom dashboard for Google Analytics, um, tracking capabilities to teach you how to be able to track what's happening on the platform. And I mean, a whole ton more. I could go on. <laughs> so Laura, uh, do you have a team or are you doing all this by yourself? I do have a team. Um, I do all of the ads management myself currently. We are looking to expand that right now, but I do have a team of individuals that help me with organic. Um, and then I also handle my own group of clients as well. Laura, can you share your social media for yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Yep. You can find me at Laura Reich on all of them all the places. So Instagram is Laura Reich. Pinterest is Laura Reich. Facebook is Laura Reich. Um, Twitter, I think is Laura underscore Reich because it was already taken. But other than that, if you search Laura Reich, you'll be able to find me. My personal profile is Laura Sura. I did just recently get married. Um, but it does say Laura Sura Reich. Yes. And to our listeners, we'll have the link to our gift and our social media on, on our, our show notes. You can find the show notes at www.cabinetshrblog.com. Be sure to share this episode with your friend of your network. So, Laura, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you give us any wisdom or, or, or advice or anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I think if you are someone who is newer and haven't started trying out Pinterest, um, definitely give it a shot. I have free trainings. I know there's a ton of other good free trainings out there. I definitely believe in the power of it. So test it out. And on the flip side, if you're someone that's been on the platform and maybe you're struggling to see the numbers increase or maybe they're decreasing, um, send me a message because I have a ton of people that have come to me since all the things have kind of hit with the world. And there's a couple of quick tweaks that you can make that would really make the difference in your business. Laura, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this. episode of the Jason Kavnis experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you. And remember to be great every day. Don't you know,
Got to pump it up, don't you know? 